0: Prayer one more time. Father God, thank you that you have given us your word. This morning, we come to your word and ask that you would speak to us through it so that we will know you more, so that we will serve you and worship you more. We need you, and we find you in your book. Father, give me the grace to speak with accuracy according to a correct interpretation of Scripture. May I preach clearly by your grace and may Christ be exalted. May we all worship you by hearing the word and also doing the word. May we be hearers and doers of your word and be blessed in doing so by your grace so that you may be praised and honored. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about the word need for a few minutes. The word need. I was thinking about this word this past week, and I think it's a lot like the word love for us. I think we use need a lot like we use the word love. We use the word love in a variety of ways to refer to a variety of people, places, or things. We love our favorite foods. We love certain kinds of weather. But we also love our spouses and our kids and our parents and our friends. We use the same word to reference our relationship to these people and these things but we don't mean the same thing, do we? We don't mean the same thing when we say we love the weather, we love certain foods, as as we do when we say we love our children or we love our parents. Certainly our love for a family member or a friend is significantly different than our love for bacon. I hope so. I hope that's the case. (laughs) Our love for someone or something may be exceedingly stronger than our love for someone or something else. But we still use the same word. It may be just that we really like something, and so we say we love it. Or it may be that we have deep, abiding affection for a person, but we still use the word love. I think need is similar. The word need. The same is true for this word because we, we say, first thing in the morning, I need a cup of coffee. But a pregnant, pregnant wife may say to her husband, you need to take me to the hospital. You need to call the midwife. Surely we don't mean two different, surely we mean two different things, right? We, we don't mean the same thing when we say we need coffee and we need to take our wife to the hospital. In one case, we're communicating, it would be really nice to have a cup of coffee, right? We say need, but we, what we really mean is it would be really nice if we had a cup of coffee right now. In the other case, we are saying there's going to be a medical emergency, so make it happen. We we'll use the same word. We, need, we use the word need for trivial things, We use it for emergencies. We use the word need to talk about food, water, shelter. These things are physical needs. But there is a need that goes beyond even those things to the ultimate needs that we have. The ultimate needs that we have. Yes, we need food. Yes, we need water. Yes, we need medical attention. But much, much, much more than that, we need God's word. We need Scripture. Many of us know this. We we, we know this in our minds. We we know this um, mentally. We also know this experientially. We felt that great need for the Word of God. But we forget, don't we? We forget that we need Scripture. Our lives often reflect the fact that in the moments when we forget, we're believing That the things of lesser importance, of lesser need, are things we need more than the Bible. We believe that lie. Things of lesser need, we think, are of ultimate need when we forget our necessity of the Word of God. Our lives would often suggest that we believe we need trivial things like we need ultimate things, and ultimate things like trivial things. So this morning, I think what we need is for us to be reminded of the reasons why we need Scripture. This morning, let's be reminded of the reasons why we need the Word of God, okay? So we're going to walk through four reasons in particular, four reasons why we need Scripture and the ultimate sense of the word need, okay? Here we go. Number one, we need Scripture to be saved for salvation. We need Scripture to be saved for salvation. We need Scripture, number two, to see the glory of the Lord and be transformed. Number three, we need Scripture to be spiritually nourished. And number four, we need Scripture to please God, to please God. Let's go to our first point here. We need Scripture to be saved. Now, God has revealed Himself in two major ways. In theology, they are called general revelation and special or specific revelation, okay? General revelation and special revelation. General revelation is referred to in Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. So why don't you grab your Bibles and we'll turn there. Psalm 19, 1 and 2. What is this general revelation that we're talking about? David writes this, starting in verse 1 of Psalm 19, the heavens, the skies, right? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. What's he he getting at? What, What does he mean? What is David referring to? He's referring to the revelation that God has communicated through nature, right? Through nature, his creation. God's creation communicates that he exists, and it communicates certain general aspects of his character, uh, of his person, okay? We can know limited things about God from what we see in creation. The creation points to the creator, right? Now, uh, we, we also have consciences that are part of general revelation. God has given us a conscience, so we have some sense of right and wrong, some sense of God's moral standard, so that's also part of general revelation. It's this general revelation as well that Paul refers to in Romans chapter 1. Flip over there with me. Let's go New Testament. Romans chapter 1, we'll look at verse 20. For his, that's God's, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Clearly seen. His invisible attributes have been clearly seen in what has been made, what he has created in this world. So in that sense, he's revealing, he's revealing showing himself through creation. And in verse 21, Paul goes on to say that even though mankind knows God in this general sense, through general revelation, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So this is not a saving knowledge that we're talking about, right? It's not a saving knowledge, especially when you consider that God and his judgment gives the, the unrighteous in this text, the, the wicked, he gives them over to their evil desires, right? He hands them over. In verses 24, 26, and 28, God gives them over to their evil desires, right? It's part of his judgment. So we know that this general revelation isn't saving knowledge. This knowledge of God, God's existence, his character, and his moral standard do not have The power to save someone from their sins? This knowledge is not gospel knowledge. It's not gospel knowledge. We we see gospel knowledge being referred to in Romans 1, but it's a few verses earlier. So let's go up to verse 16. We'll see this gospel knowledge. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, general revelation, that's, that's not saving knowledge. That's not, that's not saving revelation, right? But the gospel is, the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth as God and man, right, living a perfect life, never sinning once so he could be a perfect sacrifice for us when he died on the cross, and he was a substitute sacrifice for us, and he died on that cross God punished him instead of us if we trust in him, and then he rose from the dead three days later. He did that for us, and we know about that, not because we've looked into creation and we've seen. It's not because we have looked into our conscience and we've seen that or understood that. No, we have the gospel knowledge from the word of God, from his other kind of revelation, which is his special revelation, We don't get get saving knowledge from general revelation, but we get from special revelation. His word. His word. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. We're going to keep going here. Uh, We want to unfold this this special knowledge, this, this special revelation, and understand why we need it in order to be saved by God. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. Would you follow along with me? For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, so what is Paul's line of reasoning here? Okay, let's kind of step through it. What's he saying? Number one, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on him for salvation, they will be saved. But we find out from this text that they will not call on him unless they first believe in him. They'll believe, they'll call on him if they first believe on him. And in order to believe in Jesus, they have to have someone tell them about Jesus. A preacher, right? And in order to have that preacher preach, that preacher has to be sent. The preacher must be sent. In this context, There is no one who will call on Jesus for salvation who does not believe in Jesus. And there will be no person who believes in Jesus who does not first hear or read the good news of Jesus. Where does that good news come from? Where does it come from? Verse 17 tells us, Through the word of Christ, the word of Christ, not through creation, not through conscience, not through looking within, not from society, through the word of Christ. We know the good news of Jesus because God communicated it perfectly and truthfully through the writers of Scripture. We have it recorded and preserved in Scripture so that sinners can either read the word of God for themselves and believe or hear it from a faithful brother or sister who's read the word of God and they've believed. Or maybe they had somebody who's read the word tell them. We start start following it back. We tell somebody about the gospel, and they believe, but, but someone told that person about the gospel, and someone told that person about the gospel, and someone told that person about the gospel, right? But where did they get it from? They got it from God's revealed word, his special revelation, the scriptures we have this good news because God gave it to us in his word. You were rescued from your sins, church, because by God's grace, you believe the message that God revealed in his word that because we rebelled against God, his rule, his authority, Jesus came to earth as both God and man, lived a perfect life in our place, died as a payment for our sins, and rose again conquering death, sin, and Satan. You believe that not because you saw it in creation, not because you looked within, not because of something that man came up with, but because God revealed it. God brought that truth to us in the scriptures. No one is rescued by God any other way than by believing the gospel message, the good news that he has revealed to us in his word. No one is rescued by God any other way than by believing the gospel. Peter states in Acts 4.12, and there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Church, the way in which God planned for his people to be saved is through believing in his son, Jesus. To believe in Jesus, you have to believe certain truths about his person and his work in order to be saved. I mean, there there are people that claim that they believe in Jesus, right? There there are people that claim they they know him, they trust him, but it's their idea of Jesus. It's, It's the Jesus that they like, the Jesus of pop culture, the Jesus of their own desires. It's not the Jesus of Scripture because if we're going to be saved, we've got to believe the Jesus who's been revealed to us by God in the Word. We don't get to make him up. We don't get to come up with a Jesus of our own liking, to believe in. No, God has already told us who this Jesus is and we must believe Him. We must believe in Him, His person, His work, according to the Scriptures. You don't get to make up your own version of Jesus and trust in Him and think that you have salvation. That's why we need the Scriptures because there's one Jesus to believe in. One. Not many versions of Jesus and and they all lead to God. No, it's one Jesus and that's the, the Jesus that we see in the Word. It's hard for the human race to accept this. I mean, think about it. We're, We're always coming up with different ways to do things, things we've already done, things we've done for hundreds of years. We're coming up with new ways to do them, new ways to communicate, right? New ways to travel, to get from A to B. And so there's not just one way to communicate. There's not just one way to travel. Uh, We're always inventing things like listening to music. There's not just one way to listen to music. I I hope, by the way, I, I hope the MP3 is the last thing we have to purchase, right? I mean, can't it be just the last thing? We're always coming up with all these different ways. Let's just let MP3s be the last thing, okay? Sorry, soapbox. But we're always inventing quicker ways to get things done less expensive ways to get things done, more efficient ways to get things done. So there are multiple ways to do many things that we've been doing for years and years and years. And so when we come to salvation and forgiveness of sins, getting to God, it's difficult. It's difficult for a lot of people to think that there's another way. What do you mean there's another way? I mean, all these other things that we do, we can do them multiple ways. And you're telling me, I only get to God one way? I'm saying that. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I believe that. Do you believe that? God has given us that way though. We want for there to be multiple ways. According to our human flesh, we we want there to be multiple ways. God has given one way, but he's given that way. We forget about that. We want there to be multiple ways, but we forget. But there is a way, and God provided it. And he told us about it in his word. How kind is that? How kind is that? God has determined that we only get to him through faith in his son, and we know that we must believe in his son, the son that is revealed in the scriptures, in the Bible alone, in order to get to God. has provided that way. And he's told us all about it. Think about this with me for a moment. I want you to, I want your heart to be thankful this morning for the Word of God. I want you to see the necessity of the Word of God, but I want your heart to be glad in God. I want your heart to be thankful. And so think about this. God was not obligated by anything outside of himself to make us a way to be saved and then tell us about this way so we could believe it. He wasn't obligated. There was no one outside of himself constraining him to give us Jesus and then give us the word of God so we could believe in him. There was no one twisting his arm, right? What what wasn't happening? No person, no thing outside of God. It was just God saying, I want to do this. I desire to He decided to do it according to his loving kindness, according to his perfect will. He decided to send Jesus and to tell us about it and give us the word of God so we would know about it and believe in it and believe in him. But he was not obligated by anybody outside himself. No one was making him do that. He gave us Jesus and gave us the word freely. Isn't that great? I I think about my kids and how... They sin against each other. They're, you know, they they're, they yell at each other and, and they fight and, and I, I have to take them aside and, and explain to them why that's sinful, why God doesn't want us to do that. And then uh, I make my children go and ask forgiveness. You go, ask forgiveness of your brother. And, you know, you know how the drill goes, right? And walk up to the brother and says, will you forgive me for doing this? And they do it as fast as they can. They're looking at the ground. Will you forgive me for pushing you? Like that. And And they do it just because I'm making them do it, right? That's not God. Saying, yeah, okay, I'll give you Jesus because somebody's making me do it. God doesn't do that. He gave it freely out of love for us. And we, completely undeserving. And yet, love compelled him. His love from inside him compelled him to give us Jesus and the word. Tell your soul, to be thankful because of that today. Speak to your soul. You ever, you ever read the Psalms? David does that. These psalmists, they speak to their souls. They, tol- they tell their souls what to do. Tell your soul today, be thankful for that soul that God freely gave us Jesus and his word so we could believe in him and be saved. No one constrained him. No one twisted his arm. He did it because he loves us. So we need scripture to be saved. God has provided the way through Jesus and he's told us who Jesus is and what he's done in the scriptures. So if you're going to be saved, if you're going to be forgiven of your sins, if you're going to be reconciled to God, if you're going to have all your sins wiped away, if you're going to have heaven in your future, you must believe in Jesus. And there is no other Jesus except for the Jesus that God has revealed in the scriptures. Number two. So number one was we need Scripture to be saved. Number two is we need Scripture to see the glory of the Lord and be transformed. We need Scripture to see the glory of the Lord and be transformed. So if we have to be saved, or we, have to, we need Scripture in order to be saved, okay? What does that mean when I am converted, when I'm regenerated, and I've come to Jesus Christ for salvation, I'm now His through salvation in His name? I don't need the Bible anymore? Do we still need the Bible after we've believed what the gospel is in the Bible? Yes, of course we do. Of course we do. The believer continues to need the word of God daily because it's through his word that God has planned to work in the lives of believers, to reveal to them his glory, and to grow them and change them and make them more like Jesus in the way their lives are lived. We continue to need the Word of God as Christians. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 3.18. Turn with me there, please. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Turn there. We're going to read this verse and look at its context a bit. Okay, follow along with me as I read 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all... With unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, in order to determine our continued need of God's Word, we need to understand what Paul means in this text by beholding the glory of the Lord. What does he mean? He does not mean that we are somehow to behold Jesus' visual glory. I think I've explained this before in a sermon uh, within the last six months or so. He doesn't mean that we are to behold his visual glory. We can't in this world. Jesus is not here with us in terms of his his physical presence. We can't follow him up the mountain of transfiguration like Peter, James, and John did and have his visual glory be manifested to us so that we see it. We We can't see that in this life. Jesus is in heaven. One day we'll see his glory, amen. Well, one day we'll be there and we'll see his manifested visual glory, but right now we can't. So why, why is he talking about beholding the glory of the Lord? What does he mean? Okay, Here, we get some clues in the context. If you Jump up to verse 11. Let's check this out, okay? For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Here's what he means. He's talking about the Mosaic law, okay, that which is is being brought to an end. That's the Mosaic law. He said that has lesser glory, okay? But how much more glory will what is permanent have, How much glory will what is permanent um, have glory? So he's, he's, what he's doing is he's contrasting the lesser glory of the Mosaic law with the greater glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, that, that's what he's, he's getting at here. So I think, I think it's clear that what we're dealing with here, whenever Paul says the glory of the Lord, beholding the glory of the Lord in verse 18 is the gospel. There's lesser glory in the Mosaic law. There's more glory in the gospel. Okay, and I'll give you another text to show you that's what I mean. Uh, verse four of chapter four same context here in their case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God so how do we behold the glory of the Lord we behold the glory of the Lord when we meditate when we contemplate the Gospel itself, the good news that Jesus Christ saves. You contemplate that, you're looking into the glory of Jesus, okay? You don't see his visual glory, but you see his glory, his beauty in the gospel when you think about it, when you meditate on it, okay? So, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Because you cannot meditate on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't contemplate that. You can't behold that glory without God's word. Without God's word, you cannot behold that glory. Without the scriptures, we can't see that glory, and we won't experience that transformation that he's talking about. Look with me there. What's happening is he's saying we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit so what happens is as we christians gaze into the glory of the lord in the gospel we think about the gospel we mold that over in our minds right we gaze at it with our hearts and our minds and the spirit works through that to make us more like jesus being right transformed into one degree of glory to another beautiful isn't it so we are transformed when we see the glory of the Lord in the gospel by the Holy Spirit, okay? So, But you can't gaze into the gospel without the scriptures, church. You you may say, okay, I get that. I need to behold the gospel. I need to think about the gospel. I need to meditate on the gospel. You you sold me. You got me. But the gospel's this, right? Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life, died in my place, and rose from the dead. That's, that's the gospel, right? Yes, that's true. You think you might be thinking, well, why do I need the why do I need the Bible for that? Uh, I mean, this is four points right there. Why do, need, why do I need the Bible for that? Well, that's those things are true. Those are gospel facts that I just quoted for you, little pithy statements. They're gospel facts, but the gospel is so much more than that. That's correct, but the gospel has depths upon depths upon depths of wonder and beauty, and love for us to see. You've experienced this, right? Uh, when you uh, maybe it's maybe Philippians is your favorite book of the Bible, and you've you've read it maybe ten or twelve times, and so you go back to it and you see something <laughs> fresh that you never saw before. You ever experienced that? Your favorite book of the Bible, and you go back, I never saw that before. I've read this several times. Maybe you you read it 25 times, and you didn't see that. And God opens your eyes to another depth of the gospel. You need to keep going back. We we like to say around here that the gospel is a multifaceted diamond, right? A diamond that you, you can hold And you you turn it a little bit and you see another facet, another face of the diamond, right? A new sparkle, a new glimmer, a new aspect of its beauty. There's so much more to the gospel than we realize. And we keep going back, beholding, beholding, beholding. We're seeing more. We're getting more of the depth. And the Holy Spirit works through that to change us and make us more like Christ. We need God's word so that we can behold the glory of the Lord and the gospel. So I want to draw your, t- your attention again to the kindness of God in this, okay? I want you to see the kindness of God and the fact that he chose to have his word be written for us. He chose to have his word written. It's not just an oral word, right? If we're just an oral word, and weren't written down for us in the Scriptures, what would happen? We would forget, wouldn't we? We're limited. We're finite. We would forget. And then our sinful hearts would, would, would take it and try to remember it, but we remember it incorrectly. Or, or what we do is we'd manipulate. We'd think, okay, uh, yes, yes, God God spoke that And our sinful hearts would take it and change it and manipulate it. Kind of like Eve, right? In Genesis 3, 3, whenever the serpent is is tempting her. And she says, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. God never said don't touch it. He said don't eat of it. He never said don't touch it. She manipulated the truth. We, We do things like that, but we don't have just an oral word right? We don't have. uh, he, He hasn't spoken to us like that church. He's chosen a different way to speak to us. He's written down his word. It's for us. It's objective. We can go to it anytime. Open it up and God is speaking. So be encouraged that God didn't give us an oral word, but a written word. That should encourage your heart today. And an inerrant written word given to us by our loving God demands that we return to it time and time again. Think about this too. The word of God and being written right, is, is something that is preserved. It can be preserved so we go back to it and it's not different. It's not, it's not changed. We can go back to it because it's written down and we know we're going to find the truth there each time, unaltered. It's not something that is flexible, that is, is fluid. We can go back to it and know the same truth, the same God, the same Jesus, the same gospel is going to be there. And yeah, if, if, if it were up to me, I would, I, would, I would be changing things according to my sinful flesh. But God has preserved it. So we can go back there and see. It's constant. Be encouraged. See God's kindness in that today, church. Church, do you get get frustrated with how little you seem to be growing in the Lord? Are you fed up with how little your life seems to look like Jesus? Are you you sad, depressed about the fact that your, your life seems to lack joy in the Lord, peace, commitment to, Je- commitment to Jesus and to the Father. i got a question. Are you beholding the glory of the Lord in the gospel? Are you beholding the glory of the Lord in the gospel? Because as we do that, we, we see, we, you've seen in the word, The Holy Spirit will use that. He'll use that to make you more like Christ. Get more of the word of God into you, more of the gospel. God will use it. The Holy Spirit will change you. He'll use this to make you more like Jesus, to grow you. Uh, Number one was we need scripture to be saved. Number two is we need scripture to behold the glory of the Lord and to be transformed. Number three is, is similar to point number two, but it's a little bit different. Number three is we need scripture to be nourished spiritually. We need scripture to be nourished spiritually. Christians need scripture even after they have come to saving faith in Jesus because God's word is our spiritual food. God's word is our spiritual food. Turn for me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Matthew 4, verse 4. It says, Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And Satan says in verse 3, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word comes from the mouth of God. I want you to listen to this quote by Wayne Grudem. He talks about this uh, this scripture, and I think this will help you understand what we mean when we say the word of God is needed for us to be spiritually nourished. Listen to this. He writes, here Jesus indicates that our spiritual life is maintained by daily nourishment with the word of God just as our physical lives are maintained by daily nourishment with physical food. To neglect regular reading of God's word is as detrimental to the health of our souls as the neglect of food is detrimental to the health of our bodies. See, that's true. You neglect physical food, you neglect to eat, you neglect to feed yourself, and your body's going to suffer. Same thing with spiritual food. Right? You don't eat your spiritual food, you don't, you don't get the word in you daily, then what's going to happen is there's going to be suffering, there's going to be effect. there's going to be hurt in your body uh, or, sorry your soul if you don't feed it with the Word of God. there's going to be hurt and pain and suffering and weakness if you do not feed your soul. There's a, we see that correlation. We're going to feed our bodies. We're going to feed our souls. What do we feed our souls with? The word of God. I think Job understood what Grudem is getting at because he says to his friends in Job 23, 12, I have treasured the words of his, that's God's, mouth more than my portion of food. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Job sees it. It's more important than the food that he's giving to his body. More important than the food that nourishes us physically is the word of God that nourishes us spiritually. Isn't it rare that we go without food? I mean, I I don't know many people that um, regularly go without food by choice. Why is that? Because... Our bodies hurt when we don't eat, right? Right now, uh, who's hungry? (laughs) I'm hungry right now. (laughs) uh, You you guys, I was talking over it, but my stomach was growling. I was trying to talk louder so you wouldn't hear it through the microphone, okay? We don't often go without food because our stomachs start to hurt. And, And if you're like me too, if you don't eat, you don't eat a meal or two, you start to get a headache, a really bad headache. And then your body starts to get weak. There are these negative effects that are accompanied with going without food, We don't always think about the fact that there are a lot of negative effects that take place whenever we go without our spiritual food, too. Our soul starts to shrivel up a bit. Our hearts start to get hard. And we begin to look for satisfaction in other things besides the Word of God. If you don't find your satisfaction in God's Word, if you don't find your nourishment in God's Word, your soul's going to go looking somewhere else for it, right? What is it for you that your soul goes looking for nourishment in? Maybe it's it's people. Well, People are good. We, we should love people, be around people, be in community with the church. That, that, that's true. But maybe you're seeking them for your nourishment, your soul's nourishment. Maybe it's, maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's Maybe it's books, maybe it's um, social networking, maybe Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Maybe it's, for you, entertainment. Maybe, Maybe it's work, right? Maybe it's busying yourself. But your soul's gonna go looking for nourishment somewhere. But it won't find satisfaction. It won't really find that nourishment unless it's found in the Word of God your soul won't find the nourishment it needs unless it's found in the Word of God. When you are used to eating three meals a day and you suddenly start missing breakfast, that's going to hurt, right? In the same way, when you've been faithfully meeting with God in His Word every day and you start neglecting your Bible, that's going to make your soul hurt. It's going to be a negative effect. Why? Because God designed our souls like our bodies, to need daily food. The the food is different, but the need is the same. The need is the same. God has ordained that we fellowship with him through his word. So it's, that's why it's so important that we get into the word daily to nourish our souls, because as we get into the, the word daily, we're experiencing God. We're communing with God. See, we need God, and we access Him, and we experience Him through His Word. That's why the Word is so important. God made you for Himself, okay? And He made you to need Him. He made you to find your rest in Him. He made you to be satisfied in Him. So why do you need the Word of God for your soul's nourishment? Because that's how you access God. That's how you experience him and know him is through his word. We, we neglect our Bibles so much. And when we neglect our Bibles, we're neglecting him. Right? It's not like, this, like it's this thing that's all out here by itself and you neglect this like it has no connection to God. Now, is, is, the, Bible, is, the, is the Bible different than, than God? Yeah, it's not the same thing, okay? But you can't separate them either. There's there's diversity there. There's difference there, but you can't separate God from his word. And so it's not like it's out here, oh, I'm neglecting just a book when I put it on the shelf and I don't read it. No, we're neglecting him when we neglect his word. And he made us for him. He made us to find our rest and our satisfaction and our hope and our joy in him. So you can understand why your soul starts to shrivel up when you neglect his word. Two weeks ago, I got sick with the flu. A lot of you guys probably know what that's like. (laughs) A lot of us have been sick lately. I got sick. I was sick for about four days. And then my wife got it right afterward. It was, you know, pretty, the flu was pretty nasty stuff. So I was back in the back room, barely getting out of bed. Um, I got better, and then she got it. And so she was back in the back room for days. You know, we're trying to take care of the kids and, and make sure the house is clean, make sure you're sanitizing everything right, you know? Uh, the, the, the smell of Lysol is just sickening to me now. Uh, so, you know. But I didn't get much interaction with my wife for about 10 or 11 days, right? Because I was sick and then she was sick and, and so we, there were so many responsibilities for one person to take care of. And so we were, you know, I'm, I missed her when I was sick and, and uh, and she missed me at the same time, and then we missed each other when she was sick. We didn't get to interact and talk very much. And you know what? My heart ached because I didn't get to spend time with my wife, having our conversations and fellowshiping like we do. My heart hurt. She's important to me, extremely important to me. And my heart hurt, hurt and it, my heart felt that when I I couldn't talk to her like we usually do. It's, but as important as my wife is, and she's important, as much as I love her and I love her very much, God is so much more important. He's so much more important. He's so much more necessary than anybody in our life. Matter how important they are to us. And yet, we are guilty of putting the Bible on the shelf or leaving it on our nightstand, not opening it, not meditating on it, not memorizing it, not singing it. You and I, we, there's a very real sense in which we need people and need each other. God has ordained He give us grace through one another. That's true. But we are no replacement for God. We are no replacement. So remember when you are neglecting God's word, you are neglecting your soul's nourishment because you are neglecting the God who made you for him and to find your rest in him. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for the For the pure spiritual milk like newborn infants. If you look at the context of this verse, you find that the pure spiritual milk is God's word. Long for God's word like a newborn infant longs for his or her milk. Now, if you have kids, nieces or nephews, or you have grandkids, or if you work in the baby nursery here at Calvary, you know when a baby's crying for milk, that's serious business. That's serious business. It's serious business because it's such an important need, right? One time I was, um, I was at home with the kids and Carrie was out for the evening and Jane was a baby and I remember uh, trying to get this bottle together. She started crying for milk and so I was trying frantically to put the, the bottle together. All the while she's over in the swing absolutely losing it, right? And you're just thinking, I didn't, I didn't realize that that much noise could come out of that little thing, right? Just losing it over there in the swing. It's such an important need, and you see that, you hear that in the cry. This provides us with a practical application. Whenever you hear a baby crying for milk, you remember how much you need God's word. Hear a baby cry here at church, or maybe there are babies in your home, or maybe your grandkids, you go go see them. You hear the baby cry for milk, then just just connect that with your need for God's word. That's how I need God's word. Like that baby needs that milk, I need God's word. And you say, okay, I get, I get that. You know, I, I hear the baby crying. You want me to think about my need for God's word, but I don't feel that desperation. Then when you hear that baby cry, pray. Every time you hear that baby cry and you think, I, I have a great need for God's word, but I don't feel like I do. I don't feel that de- desperation. Then stop right there and pray. God, give me that desperation. He is the one that is Lord over your heart. And he's the one who can change it plead with him, show me, help me feel my great need for your truth. Don't you, don't you know that God wants you to fellowship with him? Don't you know that God wants you to draw near to him through his word? Don't you know he wants that glory? He'll answer that prayer. He'll answer that prayer. Another practical application that goes along with this, When you think of the utter importance of God's word for your spiritual nourishment, what lesser need can you deny yourself until you have met with God in his word each day? Read that again, okay? What lesser need can you deny yourself until you have met with God in his word each day? John Piper says it like this No Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. What is something that you perceive you need in your life that you can deny yourself until you have accessed the Word of God as the greater need in your life? Right? What can I say no to until I have put in my life what is of greater importance and greater need in the Word of God? Maybe you say, well, I I don't eat breakfast. I'm not really hungry for breakfast. Okay, well, what things do you do in the morning? what things that you, you perceive as having need. Maybe you're like, okay, well, yeah, I, I got to brush my teeth, you know, or I got I to gotta take a shower or something like that. Whatever lesser need, because it is a lesser need. When it's compared to the Word of God, it is a lesser need. Deny yourself that need by way of discipline, by way of good pressure to put in your life until you have been in the Word. And that will help you prioritize God's truth so you can have your daily soul's nourishment in him. Okay, so number one, we need scripture to be saved. Number two, we need scripture to see the glory of the Lord and be transformed. Number three, we need scripture to be spiritually nourished. And number four, we need scripture to please God. We need scripture to please God. Now, we discovered that we do need scripture so that we can behold the glory of the Lord in the gospel. And through that beholding, the Spirit works so that we're transformed uh, into the image of Jesus, we become more like Him, okay? It's true. But that does not mean that the only only responsibility we have as Christians is to contemplate the gospel, right? There are some people that emphasize that. And listen, contemplating the gospel is Mm -hmm. very important, exceedingly important. To contemplate the gospel, to understand what is what is true about what Jesus Christ came to do for sinners. Contemplate that, think on that, turn that around in your mind, take that diamond and shift it back and forth so you can see all the glimmers and the sparkles. Yes, but that's not the only responsibility you have as a Christian. You also need to strive to obey him by his grace. You also need to strive to obey the Lord by his grace. You should look with me at First John 5, 3, 1 John 5.3. Here's what John writes. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. If we're going to please God and love God, then we must obey His commandments. But how do we know what to obey? Just just according to your feelings, what what you feel like God wants you to do? Is is that how you determine what to obey so you can love God and please Him? I feel like this is right. I feel like this is is what God would have me do. It makes me happy, so God wants me to be happy, so I'll do this. Have you done that before? God wants me to be happy. This makes me happy, so... This is what God wants from me. That's not how you determine what to obey, what God wants you to do. You look in his book. You look in the word of God to find out what commandments he wants you to obey as a Christian. Right? Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Okay? True. There are some things that God has chosen to reveal about, uh, chosen not to reveal about himself. The secret things belong to the Lord. So some things about God, he has chosen not to reveal, not to show us, not to give us, okay? But he goes on, Deuteronomy 29, 29. But the things that are revealed, the things he has shown us, belong to us and to our children forever. Why? That we may do all the words of his law. So the revealed, that which he's revealed about himself, right? His special revelation is for us so that we will keep the words of the law, so that we may do all the words of the law. There are things about God that he has not revealed to us, but what he has revealed for us is for us so that we'll obey him. So, church, you don't have to wonder what God wants from you you can know. You can open up the, the word of God and say, that's, that's what God wants for me. That's what he wants me to do. He wants me to strive after holiness in this way. Strive after knowing him in this way. He wants me to trust this. He wants me to believe that. He wants me to obey this commandment. He wants me to love this person. He wants me to proclaim this truth. You don't have to wonder what God wants you to do, you don't have to wonder if what you're doing is pleasing to God because he's revealed what pleases him and what makes him smile. And by God's grace, right, it has to be by God's grace, we can obey these commandments. You can't do it on your own. You need to depend on him to do these things. But we must, out of that grace, strive, work out of that grace so that we can be a people who are pleasing him. And we need God's Word to know what to to do, what to believe. You see, another need. And there, there, there are more reasons why we need Scripture. We could talk more about how essential this book is to our lives as Christians. We are a finite, limited, and sinful people. Therefore, there's no hope that we would ever discover God who is infinite, limitless, and perfect. You ever think about that? How could we, in our uh, our limited humanity, our sinfulness, find and discover God who is infinite, perfect, and holy? We couldn't find Him. We couldn't discover Him. We, co- we could not unearth God somehow. He has to reveal himself to us. He's got to bring himself to us. And he has put himself, who he is, what he has done, what he wants us to do. He's given us his word so that we can know him and we can please him. We require the word of God because these finite humans that we are, sinful, we're not going to find God. He's got to come to us. He's got to reveal himself to us. And he has. He's given us his book. He's given us the word of God. And we need it. We need scripture to be saved. We need scripture to behold the glory of Jesus and be transformed. We need scripture to be spiritually nourished and we need scripture to please God. Church, unlike every other book in the world, the Bible is not one we can do without. Amen. Father God, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us what we need to be saved. Thank you for giving us what we need to see your glory and to be transformed. Thank you for giving us our soul's nourishment. Thank you for telling us what we need to do to please you. You're good. Thank you for that kindness. Humble us with your word. May we we be people who go home and get in the word today. And tomorrow and all this week, may we consume your word more because of this sermon. We pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.